This audio is from King's Cross Church in Independence, Missouri. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit kingscrosskc.com. Good morning, guys. Happy New Year. Well, if I don't know you, my name is Howard Pignate. I am one of the pastoral residents or the only pastoral resident at King's Cross for 2023, praying for more in 2024. Amen. So if you've been with us, we've been actually going through our Advent series, and we finished that up last week, and Pastor Will brought an amazing word. Um, so re that if you want to hear that series. But we've been going through our John series. So I want to recap what's happened in chapter 6 so we're refreshed and we're reminded what God has been doing in his word and to be reminded what Jesus has been speaking and teaching. So at this time in John chapter 6, Jesus has fed the 5,000. He's multiplied this, these, these loaves of bread and these fish and he's fed all these people. And now that all these people are fed, Jesus leaves because they try to make him king. And, and Jesus supernaturally appears with the disciples across the way. And they're like, well, Jesus wasn't there. Now he's there with them. How did that happen? Like, when I read that scripture, this is just a nerd in me. It's like they teleported from one place to another place. Anyways, you know, you see Jesus get there supernaturally. And people see Jesus. And they just saw Jesus do all these miracles. And Jesus begins to teach them that he's the word of life. That he's the bread of life. And you know what the response is? They're like, well, show us a sign. Isn't that interesting? And now we get to John chapter 6, verse 60. And now Jesus has already taught and shared that he is the bread of life. That they must go to Jesus to be dependent upon him. That he's the source, the giver of life. And they're offended at the teachings of Jesus. And this is where we find ourselves in this series. So before I get started, let us pray and ask the Lord to move mightily and powerfully in our hearts today. So, Father, we acknowledge that today um, is the first day of the year. We could be anywhere. But today we are here seeking your face seeking your presence, because, Lord, like Peter said, you have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? You're the one that loved us when no one would love us. You're the one that rescued us when we didn't even know we needed to be rescued. You saved us from ourselves. You saved us from our sins. You gave us new life. You changed us, and you have the power to change us. So, Father, we pray that your word would speak and move and give life, for your words are life. Your spirit brings life. Bring life to our hearts. Refresh hearts that are weary and tired over year 2022 with its issues and its hurts and its pains and its searing loss. Lead our hearts to be refreshed and renewed in your word. And for those that don't know you who are seeking to hear of Jesus, oh, Jesus, would you make yourself known to people who don't know you this day, that they would experience you, 
and see you and know you. For only you can bring them. Only you can show them, Father. Show them, Jesus. Lead our hearts. Lead our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Earlier this week, I was listening to this man speak and teach about abortion. And he said, well, abortion isn't taught in the Bible because it's not in the red letters. And so since the word abortion is not in the text and Jesus didn't say it, then it must not be something we must hold to because it's not in the red letters. The word abortion is a hard word. It's a hard topic. But listen to me. Jesus has teachings in his word that teach life is sacred. All of God's word teaches and speaks to us. All of God's word is inspired by God. And because it is inspired by God, when Jesus speaks or when the word of God speaks, God speaks. Though at times teachings may be hard, hard to hear, hard to understand, we have to see and hear from God. And allow our emotions and our own feelings and our own understanding of what we think we may know and leave it at the door and say, Lord, would you speak to our hearts and minds? Would your word be the, 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 the living word that transforms our being on the inside that we would believe what you have to say, not what man has to say? So we find ourselves here in John chapter 6, verse 60. Jesus is giving this hard saying to the Pharisees, and he's just like stacking truth upon truth upon truth. And we see in John chapter 60, just look over with me at John 6, 44. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And Jeff talked about that word draw, draws, how it refers to this dragging, this pulling, this hauling, that God is the, work, the one who does the work. And he says, I will raise him up on the last day. Over and over, they hear Jesus teaching that God must do the work, that they must eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, and they took that literal. Jesus wasn't teaching people to be cannibals. Let me just say that. The disciples did not try to take a bite out of of Jesus. Jesus has his whole body. Amen? Okay. Just want to make sure this is not the walking dead or anything like that. Jesus is teaching that they must be dependent of all self-sufficiencies of themselves. That they must go to the source and be sustained by Jesus alone. 
And it gets to this tipping point where they've heard Jesus say all these things. And look at the text with me in verse 60. When many of these disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Do you take offense at my teaching? The word of God at times, many times, is offensive to us. It's offensive to our nature. It's offensive to our hearts. Because the word of God truly exposes our hearts for what they are. That we can be self-sufficient. That we create strategies in how to be a better us, a better version of us. And we try to course correct and realign so that we have the appearance and the presentation that we have it together. Or am I the only one that does that? This morning's service, the fact that the projector didn't work, is a great reminder that Sunday services are not about just being in a place. It's the reason why we gather. We gather for Jesus. But I'm chasing a rabbit right now. The important thing that we must look at is why do we create these these self-sufficiency plans to make it look like we have it together. Why do the hard teachings of Jesus offend us? Why is it that sex of sects, S-E-C-T-S, just so we know what I'm saying. I got a Latino accent, so sometimes it goes a different direction. They're like, what'd you say? I'm like, I didn't say that. I said something else. So excuse my accent. It comes out sometimes. That believe... They believe that parts of the Bible are real and the Pauline, those are the letters written by Paul, are not real. They'll say, hey, I accept most of the Bible, but the other parts about other things that the scriptures teach about, I don't know about those because they just, I just don't think they're real. I'm here to tell you today that the word of God is the trusted, living, breathing word of God that is unchanging, that has the power to save, that has the power to show us, to instruct us how to live a new life in Christ, how to turn away from our sins, and how we receive grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy from this living, breathing God who knows us, and I mean knows you, like nobody knows you. Like the behind the doors, how you act when no one's looking, he knows you, and he loves you. And he calls us to transform and change the way we are as people and look to him and turn from our sin. So that we would believe what he says. To follow him. To love him with all our hearts. The word of God is offensive. It offends us. 
It strikes us sometimes as hard teachings. Let me give you several so we can both, all here, be struck by the teachings of Jesus that truly sometimes are hard, but they are the real words of God, and they flow from the outflow and the nature and the heart of God. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Forgive one another. Deny yourself and pick up your cross. You cannot serve two masters. Either you serve God or you serve money. God's view and teaching of marriage, God's view and teaching of sexuality, Jesus teaching that the world hated him first, so the world will hate you, Christian. Let me tell y'all that. Let me stay there for a second. They hated Jesus, and the world's going to hate us at times. In a world that we live, that we want to be liked, and we go on Instagram or social media wanting those hearts and those likes, and don't they feel good when people put a little heart and a little like button? Or am I the only one that likes that? Right? The world will hate you if you follow Jesus. Because the world loves the darkness and hates the light. There is only one God. Only one way to God. Jesus teaching that people will go to hell. He's the one that reveals the teaching of hell and its fullest understanding that we can understand and see. His teaching that no one is good and none of us does what is good. The teaching that Jesus himself is God. The teaching that Jesus is the only way to God. Why do I give us these hard sayings? Because family, listen to me. There's a generation of people who don't see Jesus as the almighty king who came to restore and reconcile broken people unto himself. They see Jesus, and look at all the world's religion. They acknowledge the existence of Jesus. Most of them do. But most of them say something like, he was a holy man. He was a prophet. He did miracles. He did signs. He did wonders. The word of God will offend us, and we have to allow it to do its work. And the work of the word of God is to cut us to the heart. So that the healing ointment of the gospel would transform us. The good news of who Jesus is would lead us and transform us. Because if we get offended at the hard teachings of Jesus and walk away, we only show that truly we were never a disciple of Jesus because that's what we see in the text. Look with me, if you can, at verse 62. Jesus says to these people who are grumbling, these disciples who are complaining, then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning whose those were who did not believe 
and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Now watch what happens. Verse 66, a very sad verse in the Bible. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They followed Jesus as a group in a crowd, as, a, as all these people walk with Jesus down these dusty dirt roads without any food and provision, and they show up and they sit in these fields or in this place. My mind wants to see like this, this green field filled like with flowers, and there's some lambs, there's some goats, and like you smell the smell of nature. And they're sitting down, and Jesus is like sitting on this rock. It's like a moment from the chosen. You know, Jesus is sitting on the rock, you know. And he begins to teach. But these people came to see, to hear, and to watch Jesus do all these amazing things because they had seen him heal. They show up to see God work, to see God, God do such amazing things through Jesus. And what ends up happening, the moment Jesus says something, a teaching that they did not agree with, you could argue that it's the multiple teachings in this text, and I would agree with you, and just accumulates this one point of like they had enough of what Jesus had to say. And what ends up happening as they walk away from Jesus. See, false disciples will eventually fall away. They fall away because the hard teaching that they won, that the hard teaching they received, their ears did not want to hear. It did not tickle their ears. It did not satisfy their hearts. And Jesus actually exposes the reason why they've been following him. Turn back with me in chapter 6. Look at verse 26. Actually, look at verse 2, and then we'll go to 26. Chapter 6, verse 2. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Look at verse 26. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me. Not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. These people had a Messiah, a king in mind. They made up a God in their mind of what they thought they wanted. They wanted this miracle performing, food providing, sign making potential king to be the one to rule him. Because in this text, it says they try to force him to be his king. But at the moment, at this hard teachings that Jesus gives them over and over again, it exposes that they're truly trusting in their own selves. They're trusting in their flesh. That's the reason why he tells them it is the spirit who gives life. 
The flesh is no help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. If they would have received what Jesus was saying, there would have been a transforming work that would have happened. But Jesus isn't worried about whether they believe him or not. He has this confidence. He's like, hey, I know that whoever the Father has given me, whoever the Father has granted me, they will come to me. He's not worried that they're not responding. He's not worried at seeing all these thousands of people leave because it says 5,000 men. That did not include children and women. Just imagine this mass exodus of people leaving. And Jesus is not worried. He says it so clearly, so plainly for us to see and read with our own eyes. He said in verse 65, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. You know, I believe this text should produce a reaction in our own hearts and ask our own hearts the question. We should ask our own hearts this question is, why do we follow Jesus? What's the purpose in why we follow Jesus? Do we come to Jesus so that our lives would be better and we would have health and wealth? I know that's a prosperity gospel. But take it further. Is it because Jesus can give you something that you cannot get on your own? You're going to Jesus as though he's going to give you like this wish of a genie. Are you using Jesus is what I'm trying to ask. And if we could be honest with our own hearts, we treat Jesus that way. Do we not? Do we not go to Jesus asking him, giving him all our petitions, and then walking away? We want to give Jesus all these issues and say, okay, Jesus, these are the things I'm dealing with right now. I need help with my marriage. I need help with my life. I need help with my business. I need help with my children. Take care of this. Thank you very much and walk away. I'm just speaking about myself. The reality is, is that if we examine our own hearts and what this text does, it exposes us to how we can be as people. And rightly so, because the word of God is convicting. It's meant to show us that we need Jesus to do a work in our own hearts. To show us that, man, our relationship with Jesus is not transactional. It's meant to be relational. To seek him. To come to him with confidence knowing that he sees us, that he hears us, that he knows us, that he loves us, that his unconditional love for you will never fade away even in the midst of your own failures, your fears, your doubt, your shame, your guilt, your hurt, your brokenness, your anger, your frustration. In the eyes of searing loss, of seeing someone you love die, like God will never leave you. And the reality is, is that we treat Jesus as this transactional relationship where we should be treating him as the Lord and Savior who lived, who died, and laid down his life for you and your sins. He truly loved you 
and loves you. This text should produce this idea of, of, of God of God convicting our hearts so that we would examine our own hearts. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says that we should examine ourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize that this, do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? 2023, let it begin with us examining our hearts. Let it be this reality check, heart check, all systems check. Before a rocket takes off, all systems must be a go. Can we check our hearts this year before we try making plans for the future? Can we say, Lord, would you examine our hearts and show us ways that we've been unfaithful, ways we've been sinning that no one knows about? Would, would you transform our hearts to live godly new lives in you this year? And would your word that is sometimes hard teachings for us to accept, would your word guide and lead us to be the men and women you've called us to be in Christ? Would that be the way we start 2023? That would be my prayer and desire for all of us. See, as we continue to read on in chapter 6, we see that real disciples of Jesus will continue to follow Jesus even when it's hard. Even when it's hard, they will follow Jesus. Look at verse 67. So Jesus said to the twelve. Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? I feel like Peter would have said it that way too. Like, Lord, where can we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Do you want to go as well? That question stuck, like, stuck out at me this week. Have there been times in your faith that you want to go as well when things have gotten hard? Do you want to go as well? Have you grown weary, tired, Frustrated with the church of Christ? Are you tired of thinking that you hear the same thing every week and you're not growing spiritually and you feel the same you were as you were last month and things don't change? Are you tired and weary, Christian? Are you tired and weary person that doesn't know Jesus? I want to present to you today a truth that we find in Scripture that though we grow weary, though we grow tired, and though we want to go as well at times, because the Lord has called you by his name, because the Lord Jesus died for your sins on that cross over 2,000 years ago, and because salvation belongs to God, Your life is not in your own hands. 
And let me say this just so we're clear. If you're struggling with suicidal thoughts and physically want to harm yourself, please seek out help. Call someone. You're not alone. But listen to me. For those who struggle with faith and struggle following Jesus, can I tell you you're not the only one? You're not the only one to struggle in your faith. There was a time in my life many seasons ago where I walked away from being in community for several years. I didn't want nothing to do with Christians because I felt like the church hurt me. And I lived as a prodigal for a season and so much brokenness, so much hurt that that happened in those seasons to myself and to others, especially my wife. Our life was broken. And can I tell you that it is the saving grace of God that sustained me, that convicted me, that brought me back. And I want, to, I want to tell you today, if that's you, if you're on that edge where you're just saying, man, I'm so done. God will sustain you. Ask him to help you. Because real disciples of Jesus will follow Jesus even when it's hard. And he's faithful to go after those wandering sheep that disobey. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm a stubborn sheep. Can I get an amen? Amen. Oh, man, praise God. Okay, we're almost done. We're almost done. Okay. All right. Look at what verse 65 shows us, something very interesting, another hard teaching of Jesus that offends us and offends many, many people and has offended many, many other people um, that will come. Verse 65. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. There's so much that could be taught here. And I don't have time to cover it all. But there's a, there's a biblical theological truth that Jesus is presenting here that all scripture presents to us is that God is the one who initiates salvation. It is a 100% work of God that man in himself would not, could not, and would never, ever choose God on his own. We see that by looking at the Old Testament that no one wanted to trust God. They all strayed away. No one ever obeyed God perfectly. And this teaching is called election, that God chooses and picks his people. Let me give you the Wayne Grudem definition of election. Grudem defines election this way. He says, it's an act of God before creation in which he chooses some to be saved. Listen to this. Not on account of any foreseen merit in them, but only because of his sovereign good pleasure. This teaching, for some in this room, they're excited to hear it. They're like, tell me more. And some in this room are like, man, I just don't believe that teaching. I don't want to believe that God does that. Can I submit to you that this is another hard teaching of Jesus 
that the Holy Spirit only can reveal to you, and it is revealed through countless texts in the Bible. Let me give you just a couple. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 5 reads, And even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And I know I'm short on time, but I want to say this rapidly. And we could talk about it afterwards for coffee and donut. Because God does a saving work to save us, no man and no human being can say and beat their chest and say, I did it. Because we can't. No one can. No one in this room can obey God perfectly. And it doesn't give us this pride of honor God chose me. Actually, it should humble you that God even chose anybody because he didn't have to choose anybody. Jeremiah 1, chapter 1, verse 4 says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. See, family, we have to see what's at stake to understand what Jesus is teaching, that he alone is the one that does the work. It will affect, listen to me, it will affect the way you worship God. That's why this is important. Either you will think that God loves you because what you do and based on your performance or you will base all your righteousness, all that you have in you on Jesus alone and say it is because God gave me goodness in my life that I'm able to love God, to even worship God because a true disciple of Jesus will see this truth and it may take time. Man, I was a Pentecostal when I first came to faith in Jesus. Do you know what that means? And I'm short on time. It means that you can lose your salvation if you do wrong. The teaching that we received when I first became a Christian. You know what kind of fear I lived my life? I literally thought every time I got in the car that I was going to die in a car accident and go to hell because I lied an hour ago or that very moment on the phone. I lived with fear. It will stop you from worshiping God. And ultimately... It robs God from his glory. Family, I'm short on time. But I just want to say, as we close, may the word of the Lord transform your hearts this day. May the truth that he alone is the author of your life. That as though you, you didn't pick, no one in this, who picked their parents before they were born? Anybody? Nobody, right? I know. You pick your city you're born in? No. God is the author of life. He's authored our lives. Let us turn to Jesus and trust in him in 2023 that he would renew our hope, renew our strength to worship him and to love him. I love you, family. Let's pray and we'll close out. So, Lord, um, you are so good and so faithful, Lord. You are so, so good to us, Lord, and you, um, you're patient with us. And thank you, Lord, that, that you 
Don't ask and demand that we know everything from the moment we believe, but that we're on this journey as a young plant from a seedling to a sprout to a small tree to a developing tree. Lord, would you move this day and move our hearts, Lord, to see that you're the one in charge of our growth. We need you. We ask you. Transform us in Jesus' name. Amen.